6 and 7, and we're in uh, Luke 15 uh, this morning, kind of an interesting uh, Christmas passage. Uh, uh, if you're visiting this morning, we've been in a series for a few weeks now. We're looking at uh, names that uh, the, the prophet Isaiah uh, declared uh, in regard to who Jesus would be, who he is, and what he's come to do in our lives. About 800 years before uh, he was born. Uh, first week we looked at Emmanuel, of course, which means God with us. And I, I just want you to think for a minute about that phrase, God with us. Not just over us, but with us. Walking with us, working in us. God with us. Uh, last week we looked at the wonderful counselor. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for salvation, so, so thankful for what Jesus has done. But I need continued salvation in my life. I need wholeness. I need Jesus to make me whole. He comes as the wonderful counselor to do that healing work in us that we can't do for ourselves. It says in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, it is God who's at work in us, both the will and to do his good pleasure. I'm so thankful. He loves us enough to cover our sin. And while we sin, continue to work in us as a wonderful counselor. Is anyone thankful for that? Did you notice what I said? While we sin. I think the Apostle Paul is the one who said, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I, I, I don't measure up. Uh, but God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, has made it possible for him to work in us. Hallelujah. Begin to work through us even while. Even while we're yet sinners to work in our life. I'm so thankful for the wonderful counselor. This morning we get to look at the everlasting father. And I want to say as we start this morning, if there's anything we need in a Messiah, if there's anything we need in a rescuer or a savior, is a father. We need a, a father uh, in, in our life. Study after study, uh, whether it's uh, psychologists or counselors, have shown that our relationship with our father is the most influential relationship we'll ever have in our life, whether for good or whether for bad. In fact, current statistics say that 71% of teens who drop out of school come from fatherless homes. And uh, another study, over 90%, this one really shocked me, over 90% of discipline issues, uh, ladies, you'll like this one, uh, <clears throat> happen... Uh, in, in, in junior high and high school, over 90% happen with emotionally troubled teenage boys. That's what they're dealing with on an ongoing basis in our school systems, and the common characteristic, characteristic is absentee fathers uh, in their life. We need a father. Could, could someone say amen? There's not a father on earth who is perfect. We need a heavenly father who is perfect. We need an everlasting father. And uh, fathers who are here this morning, at some point as you're raising your kids, you'll realize I'm not the answer. I'm not what they need. They need Jesus. They need an everlasting father who continues to instruct and guide and teach and care, protect, provide, to, to, to cheer for us in the midst of battles that we're going through. We need a role model that goes beyond what I can be as a father for my kids. We need uh, fathers in our life. Now, some of you, by the way, uh, had the privilege of having a great father 
uh, growing up uh, in your life. You had, you, had a, you had a great father, father who truly did uh, live as a role model for a variety of things in your life, and you learned so much from them, and that's such a blessing. Uh, but, but for others of us, it was pretty difficult. We had difficult relationships uh, with our dads. In fact, for you here this morning, the whole idea of thinking of God as your father is still very difficult for you emotionally because of maybe abuse or neglect or just hurtful things that you heard or saw or things that he said. So let, let me throw something out there and let's consider this today. What if rather than looking at your heavenly father uh, through the lens of your earthly father, what if we could flip that around, put God on the top? What if we could look at your earthly father through the in, uh, lens of, of maybe God wanted your attention right there. I don't know. But uh, what if we could look at your earthly father through the lens of your everlasting father in heaven? Did you know your life, though it started, I guess you could say, uh, with your parents coming together, the Bible says it started before time began, that God knew you. You were part of his vision for eternity, that God knew you and that he had a plan for your life. Do you know the moment you were conceived in, in your mother's womb by whatever man or whatever father, God had a plan for your life. In fact, the Bible says he knew you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He literally gave your, you your gifts and your talents and abilities. He knew how you'd be shaped. He worked with the DNA there are so many different combinations of DNA that come together to make you you. And your Heavenly Father knit you together in your mother's womb to make you who you are, more than you realize. I know the world didn't teach you this. More than you realize, you're amazingly special to God. You're uniquely crafted by God. He's crazy about you. And, and I don't think we... Uh, allow ourselves to, to think that and uh, I just want you to know this morning your parents may have been awesome but they were temporary yes. you have an everlasting father who will be your father for all eternity and that's so important for us to know it says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 through 7 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders that word government means rule or dominion the government will be on his shoulders the rule and the dominion and he, he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace for of the greatness of his rule and his peace there will be no end <laughs> could someone say hallelujah for that no end there will be no end a few years ago i read a book that described four uh, different types of dysfunctional dads <clears throat> that, that leave deep and lasting wounds that are almost impossible to shake, okay? Even after you grow up, you're out of the house, there's something going on in your soul that's impossible or almost impossible uh, to shake. How many know nothing is impossible with God? <clears throat> so we're going to get there. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry. So... How many have noticed 
when you watch a movie, have you ever noticed how much the music affects the scene? Have you ever noticed that? You know, you're watching a movie, and I don't know what your favorite movie is. My wife and I watch all the Christmas movies at least once, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, whether it's Holiday Inn, Christmas in Connecticut, uh, you know, what's the snow one? Uh, White Christmas. Um, you know, we watch them all. We watch some others that I don't like as well. But anyway, um, okay, but I'm going to go back a little bit. So how many of you have ever seen Chariots of Fire? Anyone? Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Remember that scene where they're running on the beach and that music is playing? Is that scene the same without the music? No way. It makes the scene. It literally, it makes the scene. I mean, there's, there's courage, there's drama, there's challenge just with that electronic score, which, by the way, was a whole new thing at that time. The guy who did that took electronic scores in music to a whole new level when he played that. But it makes the movie. You know that all of us have a score going on in the back of our mind. Now, we don't really realize it. We don't really think about that. But the truth is, different experiences, different circumstances that happened in our life created a score. In other words, you have a song, so to speak. I love this scripture in the book of Psalms that says how God put a new song in our heart, a song of praise to his God. And one of the things that God wants to, if you change the score in the scene of a movie, it changes the scene completely. You know what I'm saying? And some of us need a different score. You need to see your earthly father from the perspective of your heavenly father. And you need to see your life and your potential and the purpose that God has you from the perspective of heaven rather than whatever tried to suppress or damage you emotionally so that you're going through life with this score of rejection or this score of defeat or whatever it is that's going on in your mind or in your soul. There are things that are going on that we don't even realize sometimes in our life. And I really believe Jesus came to set the captives free. Okay, he's a Messiah, a Savior, and a Rescuer. He's a wonderful Counselor. He's Almighty God. And we looked at that Hebrew word last week, the word Gibor. talks about a violent warrior on our behalf. God is at work to rescue us and to save us and to set us free. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father who will take your life and begin to refather you. When you come to Jesus, the Bible says you're born again. And I don't know if you know it or not, but the Bible literally means that. <laughs> you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Something entirely new that wasn't there before begins to happen. You're born again. And God begins to refather you in his own image through the power of the Holy Spirit within your soul, creating new scenes, a new song, and a new image uh, in, in your heart and, and in your life. So I'm going to take these four different kinds of dads here this morning, dysfunctional dads, and we're going to contrast them with our Father, uh, our Heavenly Father, our Everlasting Father in Heaven. First one is the uh, 
never satisfied dad. Okay, the dad you could never please, no matter what you did. If you got C's, he wanted B's. If you want, he got B's, he wanted A's. If you got two A's, he wanted four A's, or maybe straight A's. But no matter what you did, you should have been better. You could have done better. You could have tried harder. Uh, if you're in sports, you know, if you if you made one tackle, you should have made five. If you if you if you got a hit, you should have got three. It was just there was always that pressure. Uh, to perform. I don't know if you know it or not. In the Jewish culture, uh, they were a culture of never satisfied fathers. The uh, scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, they made it harder for their disciples. They made it harder for every generation to fully fulfill the law. They added to the law more strict requirement to the point where it was literally... <laughs> Uh, humanly impossible uh, to keep the law. They were so judgmental and so critical. And of course, uh, in the midst of that culture, Jesus told a parable. We know it very well. It's called the prodigal son. It's in Luke chapter 15, verse 20 through 24 is where I'm going to read this morning. Maybe, maybe you know the story. The younger son, he's kind of fed up with the rules around the house. He, he wants to get out on his own, so he's going to jump in the car, take his inheritance. He burns rubber going out the driveway, and uh, he spends all of his money on wild living, and uh, one day there's a stock market crash. He has nothing, ends up feeding pigs in a foreign land, and has no money to the point where he's feeding or eating uh, the slop. They're feeding the pigs, you know, the, the rotten lettuce, the uh, corn cobs that are just the cob, and that's literally how he's feeding his health. He finally wakes up and says, what am I doing? I mean, even my father's servants have, you know, something to eat uh, in, in my father's house. But he, he has this stigma, this stigma of the never satisfied dad, a legal system that made it impossible for him to return to his father. In fact, if you've ever watched Fiddler on the Roof, you know, Tevia, uh, I don't know, what do you have, four or five daughters, uh, and... Uh, one of his daughters uh, marries a Russian soldier. And literally, because that was so wrong in the culture, he had to treat his daughter as though she was dead. In other words, if she came up running to him in the street, he couldn't turn and talk to her. He literally had to treat her as though she were dead. That's this strict culture. That was the culture in Jesus' day. There was no possible way for this young boy to go back to his father. His father, according to the law, had to treat him as though uh, he was dead. And that's where I'm going to pick it up in verse 20. He decides to go back. He said, I'm not going to stay here any, any longer. And it says in verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Uh, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. In other words, let's cover his shame. He's got his, you know, pig-feeding clothes on. Okay, he's a mess. Uh, quick, <laughs> you know, bring the best robe and put it on him. Uh, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Uh, let's have a feast and celebrate for him. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. 
he was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. If you could grasp that picture, do you think that would create a new song or a new scene in your mind toward what you think of your heavenly father or maybe the way you react to your children during different circumstances or decisions that they're making in your life? That scene is so important. Can I tell you that the men that Jesus was talking to when he told that story dreamed that God could be that way but they didn't trust themselves to truly grab hold of it. And I'm wondering this morning, have you been damaged to the point where you can't grab hold of that picture emotionally in your soul and see that when you turn to your heavenly father, he comes running, moved with compassion. He kisses you and he embraces you, brings out the best robe, not just something hanging in the corner, the best robe puts a ring on your finger, which was a symbol of authority. He's given you literally your inheritance back. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ for all 18. He's restored you into his family like we can't possibly imagine uh, in, in our heart and in our mind again. And then he kills the fatted calf that was, you know, of course, fed and prepared for special occasions. And he says, let's have a party. My son was dead, now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Let me say something about our microphone so I can get it off my mind and move on. Thanks for being patient. It's, it's worn out. I don't know what else to say other than we got to buy a new one, okay? Uh, about $1,500, not a big deal, but, but it's just one of those things that I just haven't got to, so I apologize for that. We're doing the best we can. Steve is trying to drive a Maserati back there to keep it... You know, to where it just starts and starts squealing. It's just, it's just at that point. Uh, so, anyway, I'll do the best I can and know that Steve's doing the best he can. Thank you, Steve, and, and Lord willing, we'll get a new one soon here. Can I read to you Zephaniah 3, verse 17? Maybe I can get your attention back with this. Zephaniah, he prophesies. He says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Yeah. You know that word exalt literally means to spin like a top. He will exalt over you with loud singing. You know that's true? That that's the way God thinks about you. He exalts over you with loud singing. Some of you are afraid emotionally to even try to grab a hold of that. You just don't think that would be possible. I want to encourage you some morning. Get up. Don't let anyone watch. And go like this. God, this is what you think of me. Just do it all the way through your living room. Begin to celebrate and get free from the scene that is constantly playing. I got to do better. I got to try harder. I got to move on in my life. I got to do this. And I got to do that. You got to understand that God loves you for who you are. He knew you before the world was created. He knit you together in your mother's womb. 
He has a plan for your life that is not just getting to the point where you can finally retire. He's got plans to use you. He crafted you for a purpose for all eternity. And that's the new scene uh, that we've got to all grab hold of in our mind. Second one is the ticking time bomb dad. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, had this kind of dad. It's kind of like you walked around on eggshells. You, you weren't quite sure how he was going to react. I mean, some days he was amazing. He just, you know, he didn't react at all. And the next time it just seemed, it, it was nonsensical. All of a sudden he exploded. Or you simply ask a question and he just went off. Um, you know, I don't know uh, what your dad was like. I had a great dad, by the way. Although uh, my biological dad, uh, he was an absentee dad. Was, wasn't there literally for the first uh, six years of my life, but my mom remarried and I got a great dad in the deal. But he could lose his temper. And many times it was justifiable. I mean, I pushed and pushed and pushed. And how many know you deserved it a few times? You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I thought I'd tell you a story. And as I start this story, for those of you who are younger, don't try this at home, so to speak, okay? That's the disclaimer we see in television sometimes. You know, they're doing this, this you know, stunt on a skateboard or whatever, and they say, don't try this at home. So don't try this at home. But anyway, okay, so my parents um, decided to go away for the weekend. I'm a senior in high school. This is my chance, you know, to make my own rules, do my own thing. And uh, so I, during the week, talk to my buddies. We decided to have a little party, a little alcohol, you know, a little fun. I don't know what happened. But my little party with my friends and, I don't know, a six-pack or whatever, exploded. It's like every teenager in Klamath Falls showed up at my house. There were so many people there, and there was so much alcohol. And, um, and someone brought in a keg. Uh, does anyone know what a keg of beer is? You know what I'm talking about here, okay? Uh, you're not that prudish, are you? Okay, so someone brought in a keg, and it's in the bathtub in, in the hall bathroom. Okay, we live to tell the story, okay? We made it through the night. <sighs> Had quite a job cleaning up the house the next morning. Um, and, and, but in the bathtub... Uh, there were all these gray marks from this keg. You know, kegs are kind of a soft metal. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Some of you are looking at me like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, they're kind of a soft metal. There are all these gray marks in the bottom of the tub. It looked like I had just, the, the tub was scratched, you know, beyond you know, repair. So I'm thinking, oh, man, my dad is going to kill me, you know. This is going to be the last day of my life. And... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, what can I do to cover this up? Which, by the way, is never smart, you know. What can I do to hide this? So I decided in my mind, I'm going to go down to the hardware store and I'm going to buy some white paint and repaint the tub. Bad decision. You know, I realize none of you were like me when you were kids, but thankfully, some friends talked me out of that one, got me off the wall. Just tell them, you know, you'll be dead for a while, but it'll, it'll, it'll blow over. So thankfully, I didn't. My parents come home, big smiles on their face. They're so glad to see us. How are you doing? How was your weekend? And I've got this thing going on that I got to tell them about. And so 
anyway, I, I finally led him into the bathroom and started talking about the party we had. And I don't know where it came from, Dad. This cake just showed up. And uh, you know how you try to light your way out of things. But anyway, um, my mom looks at it. I'm, I'm just expecting my dad to go ballistic. And my mom looks at it, and she starts laughing. And she grabs my dad's hand, and she walks him out of the room. Thank you, Mom. Okay. She comes back in with some Comet cleanser and a sponge and a little water and just wipes it all out. It was just, you know, that soft metal. that She just wiped it all out, and she left. We had dinner, and then afterwards, <clears throat> I got talked to a little bit. Um, can I read Psalms 103? verse 8 through 14. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Did you, did you hear that? He will not constantly accuse us. You know, you might have an accuser in your mind that constantly accuses you, that always brings up the past or always brings up your failure or always brings up your weakness. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry with us forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He knows how weak we are. Why don't we try to be so strong? Why do we try to be so perfect? Why do we try so hard to be spiritual sometimes? I realize it's important. I pray as much as you do, read my Bible as much as you do, but some of us are over-strivers. We just try so hard that it makes faith negative. It makes walking with Jesus difficult to the point where there's no joy and it's not fun. You need to know this, verse 14, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. It's so important to know that your heavenly father's not a ticking time bomb dad. We don't have to walk on eggshells with him. Could someone say hallelujah? Let me read verse 13 and 14 again. It says, For the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. It's so important for us to stop seeing our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father. It's so important for us to start seeing our earthly father through the lens of our heavenly father and understand how weak he was and understand the difficulties he had uh, in his life because God has a purpose and a plan through our parents even though they weren't perfect but he has a greater plan for your life for all eternity Jesus came as a Messiah to rescue and to heal and to be our everlasting father uh, in our life can someone say hallelujah number three the emotionally distant father uh, this is a tough one because you, you never quite knew uh, how they felt about you. Uh, he, he just didn't communicate. Uh, he may have always been there. He may have been, for the most part, emotionally stable, uh, maybe stoic. I don't know. But 
to be honest, you never felt special to him. You never, your soul ached inside wanting to be noticed, wanting to be special. Um, this last week, got to be a little bit with my uh, grandkids uh, for a couple of days. They were there, and uh, it was fun to have a sleepover and stuff like that. Um, I was amazed at how often uh, both my granddaughter and grandson said, Pop, that's my name. You can call me Pop. That's okay. Pop, watch me. Pop, watch me. And, uh, you know, Natalie, she's quite a little artist. She loves crafts, and she, by the end of the weekend, or weekdays, she actually ended up drawing all these pictures and writing a book. So she has a comic book that she she created with her mind, and she just kept running to me and wanted me to read the next picture or the next part of the story. But what she was crying out for in his heart is, watch me. And what she was asking is, am I special? Do I have what it takes? You know your kids are asking that all the time. My, my grandson, you know, whether it was snowballs outside or playing football in the garage, uh, he, he's that young kid like you maybe who's dreaming of catching the football one-handed, you know, Odell Beckham, you know, in the end zone for a win in the Super Bowl. It's just that's, that's the scene going on in his mind. But what he's crying out for every time we're playing together is, am I okay? Do I have what it takes? Am I special to you? And whether you want to admit it or not, that ache is in every one of our hearts in this room. See, your husband wants to know, wife, am I special to you? And the wife wants to know from her husband, am I special to you? And, and even more importantly, we want to know from God, am I special to you? Am I important to you? How much more could he do? He became a baby. He became a human being. Took on human flesh. He became one with humanity in the womb of a teenage girl so that he could identify with us, so that he could rescue us from the power of sin and death, and so he could become the wonderful counselor who will be our wonderful counselor for all eternity, to be our everlasting father who will be a father to us for all eternity, to be almighty God warrior in strength and power not only in the Old Testament not only in the New Testament not only now but for all eternity God can't deny himself in all that he's going to do throughout all eternity and if you've turned your life over to Jesus if you've come to him he will be your everlasting father from that day forward for all eternity to come. I want to tell you, Christmas means more than we realize. It's such a powerful time. Last one, absentee father. Um, I, you know, I don't know whether any of you uh, grew up without a dad. Uh, sometimes you're not sure why. Sometimes uh, it was an untimely death, like my wife, her dad drowned when she was five. Sometimes it's a difficult divorce and uh, you just don't get much time with your dad. Sometimes sometimes it's ignorance or selfishness. Maybe your dad was just preoccupied with himself and his projects and what he was trying to do in his life, and he just 
he didn't understand how valuable he was to you. So he just wasn't there. And that happened to, to a lot of us. Can I read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to you? It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Hallelujah. He's lavished, literally lavished. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I'm so thankful. So thankful. Now I realize that scene it does play in your soul. It, it does affect the, the place, the security, uh, what you want to achieve, your relationships, whether or not you feel safe. That scene is plain, believe it or not. It's plain within your soul. You and I have to make a decision to replace that tape with a new tape. Scriptures like the one I just read, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us or lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. That's what walking by faith is. It's learning how to change the scene and replace the picture uh, in our life, in our mind, in our soul to understand the love uh, that our heavenly has for us. You know, the Bible says he'll never leave us or forsake us. You know what the word never means? It means never. That's literally what it means. Never. He will never leave us or forsake us. You may have grown up with an absentee father. I did. Uh, for six years, I didn't have a dad. Didn't know a dad. My dad, my biological dad, he disappeared. I didn't have a relationship with him. I literally don't know who he is, uh, although I, I know his name. I'm so thankful for a heavenly father. <laughs> says in... Psalm 68, verse 5. He's a father of the fatherless and a friend of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling? I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up and you can go ahead and lay aside your stuff. And uh, we're going to sing that song again, Father to the Fatherless. I uh, just want to invite you to maybe close your eyes where you are. And, um, you know, I pray a lot prayed a lot for this service that somehow uh, God would bring healing in wounds where suddenly there would be a, a flipping where God would be on top where who he is would become the most important thing in our soul that we'd lay aside and the, the Bible uses the word you know graven images but there are images in, in our soul that, to be honest, aren't meaningful anymore. And yet, they overplay our, our, their cards, so to speak, in our souls sometimes. They just keep popping up. And I want to encourage you. God has a whole new scene for your life. It's filled with compassion. Slow to anger. Abounding in love and kindness. Jesus, thank you for coming to rescue us. Wonderful counselor, we need you.
Almighty God, warrior on our behalf. Everlasting Father. Holy Spirit, come father us. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We need your protection and safety. We need your healing. We need the wholeness, the wholeness, the holiness that only you can bring. Purity of heart, purity of mind, purity of soul. Thank you for being here today.